Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places verse 17 ephesians 6 put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit which is the word of god see the difference be careful when we're fighting it's the spirit that's the key it's not the flesh Mankind's problems have basically been the same throughout history. You might think that your situation is unique, but if you'll look around, you'll find someone who's going through much of the same kind of stuff. The temptation is to try to solve them with the power of your mind or the force of your will. But as Pastor Mark will be teaching today, the core of mankind's problems are spiritual. You'll learn that the root has to be attacked from a spiritual perspective, which means you have to look to God for the answer. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 4 as he continues his message, The Living Word. You know what's really encouraging to me as a father and a grandfather? When my grandchildren need truth, it's living still. See, it's the living Word of God. It's living. Now, maybe sometimes you'll hear somebody say this. Well, that pastor or that teacher in the Sunday school makes the Word of God come alive. Well, not really, because it's already what? It's already alive. Now, this can happen. A pastor or a teacher can make the Word of God very boring. Ever been there? Yeah, and so what he or she's done a disservice to God. Because it's already alive, but they killed it. So we don't want to be boring. We want to make sure that the Word is always alive. Second, it's active. That word means powerful, not weak. It's energetic, productive effective. One of the things that I think is so exciting, it doesn't matter who's in this pulpit, or really many other people, we're going through a series with Adrian Rogers, who used to be a, he's gone to heaven now, but he was a tremendous pastor of a Baptist church in Memphis, and that used to be on Merritt Island. When we moved here, he was there. We're going through a series, and we were listening to him talk to pastors, and as he was doing that, I mean, the words just I mean, it was anointed. We were all, we were basically all crying in the room and God was speaking to us and it was moving at us and it, it was energetic. It was effective. It was productive. And it didn't have to do with, you had a label of your name. He was teaching the very word of God. 
Now, you know this is true, 1 Corinthians 3. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. You see, I can't make the word grow. I mean, I could make it so boring that you wouldn't even want to listen to the word of God. But really, by itself, the word of God is active. It's incredible. So all we do is flow with what the Spirit's doing. Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Anyone that teaches the Word of God knows this. It's not us. It's never about us. It's about the Word of God. It's already active. It's already living. It's ready to do its work. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose. Each one will be recorded according to his own labor. Now, you and I never know as we plant the word, you've experienced this. As you plant the word on a neighbor, somebody at work, we need to be going sharing the word around the world. As we do that, we never know what's going to come from that. Sometimes we're very surprised that somebody came to the Lord because of that witness. I had a session not long ago with a young couple doing one of the premarital sessions, and the individual said, somebody used to invite me to church or whatever, and I'd go once in a while to this little Bible study. And, of course, then eventually, somehow they found their way here, and they got saved, both of them, and they're going through the premarital. It's going to be wonderful. They're going to be married, and they love the Lord. And he went back to that individual and said, you know, from those little Bible studies that you invited me to that I went to sometimes, you know how that is. Well, what happened during those Bible studies? The seed of the Word of God got where? Got down inside. You say, well, it just laid there. Oh, that's okay. Because it's still what? Tell me. It's alive. Some of you are discouraged because you planted seed in people. It hasn't come. Remember, you can't make it come. You water it. You pray for it. Water it with your tears. Remember? Weepers, water it with your tears. Guess what? God will make it grow. Don't be discouraged. You never know what God's going to do in that people come to the Lord. Now, as a pastor, and I don't have this very often because I've learned over the years to trust God, but early on, I could get discouraged. There'd be, and sometimes you're discouraged because, well, not too many people came to the Lord, but that's not my doing at all. It's just God's doing. I was talking to Pastor Dean today, just so you know, he was so excited about this. Last Saturday night, I did the altar call, and I felt like I needed to change it on Sunday, so I changed it. Both services Sunday, we had all kinds of people saved in both services, first and second. Saturday night, didn't seem like anybody really felt like coming to the Lord. That's okay. We had one girl that came. Praise God. Amen? One. That's good. Dean said, we had two people come to the Lord on Saturday night at Vieira. So what's this? I got all these people, and you got two, and I got... What? No, I'm just joking. See, because it's not of who? It's not a man. It's of God. I remember very early on, I was teaching. That's when we were in BCC school in an auditorium. Because we couldn't be at the Hilton because it was Mom's Day or something, and they kicked us out. We had to go to BCC. And I remember teaching, and I was teaching, and I loved the word, got through with it. Maybe, well, I don't remember, 100, 150 people. And I just bowed my head and I said, if you need to accept the Lord, just come forward. I just bowed my head. I looked up, seven or nine people were standing in front of me. It was very moving. And one person had been listening to God, Malcolm, for years. 
Well, God had planted the seed. And here he came that morning. You see, I say that to give you this verse, to encourage you. Understand, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It says this, Isaiah 55. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. See, if you look humanly, you go, well, these are many people got saved, or it looked like people were moved or excited. I never know what God's doing. I just have to be faithful. Anybody that preaches, anybody that teaches in a class, many of you, I remember teaching many a Sunday school class, and you go, well, that went right over the kids' heads, or that never went anywhere. Nobody was paying attention. And next week they come back, and they're quoting the verse for you and whatever. Just shocks you, doesn't it? See, the Word of God doesn't return void. We can really be satisfied in the power of that word. Now, Martin Luther used to say this. The Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. Ever experienced that? It gotcha. Notice next. Verse 12. Sharper than any double-edged sword. At home, most of us deal with knives that are single-edged. The Bible is a sword that cuts on all sides. It doesn't have a dull edge. It cuts going in, and it cuts going out. It's very effective. The word sharp there is very similar like a scalpel that a surgeon has. But it's so much more than that. No one has ever come to me All these years, all the medical background, we have nurses and we have doctors here, all the background that I had, nobody ever came to me and said this, will you visit me in the hospital on Friday? That's the day I'm going to have surgery. Now say to them, well, what kind of surgery do you have? Well, I'm going to have my lustful heart cut out. (laughs) Or they might say, well, I have this anger. And the doctors assured me that he can cut my anger out of me. I've never heard any. It doesn't happen. See, medical surgeons can do incredible things. I mean, they can even operate today through a mouth, which is amazing. But they can't do anything about a lustful heart, a heart filled with greed, an unforgiving heart. You see, man's problems are spiritual at the core and must be solved by a spiritual sword or scalpel. That's the word of God. Let me give you an illustration. Keep your finger there, but turn back to Acts chapter 2. The Bible is filled with practical applications. Jesus was training his disciples. He was trying to get them to see that you can't operate our lives in the flesh and solve spiritual problems. But we have to operate our lives in the Spirit. Remember on the night that Jesus was betrayed, the Roman soldiers came to take Jesus with Judas. What did Peter do? Peter was going to solve the problem. How? Like he normally always solved the problem. Big old Peter pulled his sword out, and how's he going to solve the problem? In the flesh. Whoosh! And he probably missed Malchus. Notice it said, then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off 
his right ear. Do you know I've tried to solve people's problems from the pulpit by physical means? You say, what do you mean? Well, see, sometimes I know issues. And maybe in the flesh, I'm going to speak right to that person in the fourth row. What much easier when smaller church? Today, but see, you and I can try to do that with a family member. Drop the word just at the right time. I'm going to drop this word. It's going to solve their problem with my wisdom. Don't say you have never done it. Because I know you better. You're like me. Peter's going to solve the problem how? Physically. He's going to solve the problem physically. What did Jesus do? Said, Peter, this isn't going to solve the problem. Healed the man's ear, put it back on. Said to Peter, do what with your sword? Put it back. Now I want you to go about 40, 50 days later. You're right there. Go down Acts chapter 2, verse 36. I want you to see the great difference between Peter's understanding of what really mattered and the kind of sword he used. Peter's speaking and after the day of Pentecost to all these Jewish people who have come and heard the tongues and are confused and whatever. And he says this in verse 36, Therefore let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this, they were what? They were cut to the heart. What do you mean they were cut to the heart? Did Peter have his big sword out again? He did. But what was the sword? It was the word of God. See, he wasn't trying to solve it like he had been trying to solve it. He was solving it in the spirit. Notice, they were cut to their heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, Well, repent. Be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Notice verse 40, very important. With many other words. Well, what kind of words were those? It's the word of God. It was the word of God. It was God's word through Peter. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted the message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Notice the difference in Peter and the difference in the swords. Peter used the sword of the word to fight the problem. Here's our problem today. We think we can solve pornography, crime, political stuff, you name it, poverty, global warming. We can solve it all through man's things. No, we solve the heart of the problem, which is always man. And the only thing that can do that is the sword of the Spirit. Here's some verses remind you about it, found in Ephesians. For not fighting against flesh and blood, enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Verse 17, Ephesians 6, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. See the difference? Be careful. When we're fighting, it's the Spirit. That's the key. It's not the flesh. All right. Back to Hebrews chapter 4. Now, this sword is is sharper than any two-edged sword. What does that enable it to do? The next thing, 
it penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit and joints and marrow. Penetrates. What's that mean? Well, when the Spirit of God works through His Word, it exposes the inner heart of man. And it says there that it actually separates the soul and the spirit. What is the soul and the spirit? Well, the soul is the mind and will and emotions. It's the flesh of man, and it separates from the spiritual part of man. So the word cuts between what is of the spirit and what is of the flesh. It knows exactly where to go, and it goes right to the core of my problem. I can't, as a man, get there. God's word can get anywhere. I remember when I had my open heart surgery, in those days, it wasn't as common to have all these little things that can go in and just open the veins and the arteries and whatever. I mean, they were there, but we weren't using a lot of those. And he just said to me, it's impossible for us to put that stent into that place. And probably today, it's still impossible. It just can't go there. So we're going to have to do surgery. You know, it's impossible for you and I to get to the core of my problem, even my own problem. But God's sword can get anywhere very easily. Say it with me. It penetrates. Say it with me. It penetrates. Have you ever felt the penetrating sword of the Spirit? If you haven't, you have what kind of a heart? A hard heart. We've all felt it. And even as we had our staff meeting this morning, we all felt it. It's like a knife, a sharp knife in hot butter. Just went through it. It's just gone. I mean, it just goes right to us. It's important that you understand that. Very often when I'm teaching, I'll get a letter a week later. Somebody stops me at the end of service. Where do you live? I live over West Melbourne. Were you on my street last night? What do you mean was I on the street last night? You're outside my window, weren't you? I said, what do you mean I'm outside your window? Well, you heard, you spoke right to me. No, I just tell him it's an inside job. <laughs> God was there. He didn't tell me about you. Now that you told me, I will pray for you if you have that need. But if you hadn't said anything, I would have never known it. Anybody that teaches you hear this. People say, my neighbor told me about you, didn't he? My wife called you yesterday, didn't she? <laughs> no, but the Holy Spirit just rang your bell. <laughs> Next. Judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Judges. That word means analyzes. Sifts out the truth. Scrutinize. It reveals who we really are on the inside. It discerns good from evil. John 6 63 says this, the Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. Notice, for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe. Well, how do you know that? The Word gave discernment. Jesus was and is the Word. Now, with that, the power of the Word, it penetrates, it judges, it's living, it's active. Verse 13 ties it all together. 
Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. In our day and age, we kind of understand this nothing hidden from sight anymore. There's this huge debate in London now because anywhere you go in London, because of all the problem with the Muslims and Al-Qaeda, I mean, London is simply filled with security cameras everywhere. Almost every single corner in London has a camera. The police are happy because they're solving all kinds of crimes. Why? Because they get a picture of this. Of course, people are saying, that's not really right, invading my privacy and all the rest. Well, one day Jesus came to a well. There was a woman there. And he began to minister to her. And he said to her, go get your hubby and come back. She said, well, I don't have a husband. He said, I know that. You've been married five times, and now you're living with somebody. Well, eventually, when she went into the town, she said this, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Well, who could do that? Only one person could do that. God. Notice what it says. Nothing is in all creation is hidden from his sight. Everything is uncovered. So as you and I think about that, you need to just write this simple word. Nothing is ever hidden from God. Now, many times in medicine, medicine has advanced so much, we have to use a different machine to look for different things, to diagnose the problem. MRI, CT scan, ultrasound, a PET scan... A myriad of all kinds of things. And sometimes when that doesn't work, the surgeon simply has to go down in and take a look with a camera to see what's really taking place. With God, he doesn't need any of that. He knows right now everything that's flowing through your mind. And not just the thoughts, but the attitudes. What you're thinking. Why you're thinking of it. Here's some fig leaves. You remember these? In the book of Genesis, remember them? Adam and Eve, after they sinned, what did they put on? They put fig leaves on. I mean, like the worst thing in the world, they itch like crazy. They put fig leaves on to try to do what? Cover up their what? If we all had fig trees in our yard, we'd still try to be using figs to do what? Cover up what we think is... Well, it's going to solve my problem. God can't see this. No, nothing is hidden from God. Did you ever think about how God's Word is able to stay relevant no matter the time that people are living in? Pastor Mark's teaching today told you about some of that. You heard some academic words that described how the nature of the Bible makes it unique. But you were told that it comes down to this. You've got to trust God if you're going to get to heaven. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. 
For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will finish this message, The Living Word. You're going to learn more about the character qualities of God and how those transfer to His Word. You'll hear about the Bible's ability to get to the heart of your problems, which many times is the condition of your heart. And you'll find out how it is that you can get God's Word into you and bring you closer to God. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the book of Hebrews. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Here